World Build with us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my co-host Daniel Quinn and Chris Prunty. On today's episode, we are sadly leaving the land of a thousand flavors, at least for now, as we discuss plot hooks, ways to get into the adventuring world of a land of a thousand flavors. But before we get into today's episode, I do want to take a quick moment and thank you for listening because after about a year of podcasts, it just, it really does make me happy that we can continue to grow. And if you like this podcast and you want to see us to continue to grow, why don't you go ahead and just, you know, recommend this to a friend of yours, let people know about the podcast and get their ideas to us so we can make cool and interesting worlds together. Anyway, enough shilling. Let's go ahead and get on with the episode. The inspiration for mine is, I don't know if anyone's ever seen that Kids Next Door episode with the uh, fifth ice cream flavor. I have I'm already liking where this is going, but I haven't. Why don't you explain it to us, Chris? In the show, there is a fabled fifth flavor of ice cream that they want to hunt down and discover before another group takes it. And the other group is kind of like corporate ice cream as opposed to the children. In the inspiration that uh, I got from that is I wanted to do like a Temple of Doom style uh, secret sauce, mystery flavor, uh, hidden ingredient uh, setting where you're going to some sort of ancient antediluvian uh, relic and finding the flavor that was hidden for millions of years from people. Or even if it's just like the mystery flavor that people have spoken about for a long time. And I wanted people, uh, an opposing group that is also trying to do it. But uh, I hadn't thought of what the opposing group would be. I think it might be the uh, traditionalist uh, monks who they're like, no, uh, this flavor was hidden for a reason. There's a reason we don't see it anymore and they want to destroy it. And you're part of a group who either wants to preserve it or believes that it belongs in a museum. Okay. Before we get going, I do have to ask, what do you mean by fifth flavor of ice cream? There's, there's more than five. There's, there's <laughs> way more than five flavors of ice cream. The way that I believe it is think of it as kind of like primary colors. While there are plenty of flavors of ice cream, usually they are either of a different sort or uh, a combination of flavors in the, sh in the show. And in my mind, I see like the big things that are important flavors of ice cream as vanilla, chocolate, mint, strawberry, and did I say vanilla? No, that's why I didn't have five. Okay. Sherbert? So, well, no, because then you have pistachio, you have, because like mint is not like a base for a flavor. Okay, we're getting way off topic here. <laughs> I, apo I apologize. But I just needed to bring up like, what do you mean there's only five flavors? Because there's way more than five. Flavors. Listen, I okay. think it was actually a joke on the fifth element that they were going for. Uh, and okay. there's many more elements than, than four. It's sherbet. Sherbet's the fifth flavor. No one likes sherbet. I love it. Oh. <sighs> It really depends on the type of sherbet. Like most of the time, I the agree orange with kind. Sherbert. What other kind would you get? Uh, also, you can have better. Okay, the frozen the yogurt. No, if we're doing fruity that's not things, even ice I'd cream. Get frozen yogurt. <laughs> I'd rather get frozen yogurt because at least there's like a better. Yeah, array with, of frozen yogurt's like a cop out. 
unacceptable. That's bull. You haven't had good frozen yogurt. <laughs> you haven't had good frozen yogurt. No, frozen up. yogurt is delicious, but it's not ice cream. Yeah, it's frozen great. yogurt. Mm-hmm. And it's almost as good as ice cream. What's your point? It's a lie. I'm just it's, saying, no. if, if I said, hey, let's go get ice cream, and you took me to a frozen yogurt place, I know, I'd be, I'd be like, so this mad. is not what I was promised. Right. And I don't even like ice cream. Oh, you would not be, you'd be like, oh, cool, Froyo, who cares? Because that's <laughs> how everyone feels about Froyo. <laughs> like, Are there toppings, no Because that's what matters. Like, if I can go of there course. and get toppings, of then course. I'll be okay. Froyo Look, is the hand job of frozen foods. <laughs> it's what you settle for, not what you're aiming for? Yes. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Oh, man, we went so <laughs> on the rails. Uh, well, I was going to say that, like the this Raiders <laughs> of the Lost, like flavor or the last. Uh, yeah, I, I do I like really that. like that idea. I I'm, I'm, I agree with Daniel. I really enjoy that idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it is just making the uh, the traps, and I see things as kind of a just like oh, but in ancient uh, language, mint was spelt with two M's or something like that. <laughs> or the idea that the, that there's a flavor that they don't want them to discover. Like, I would love to hear the conversation from the monk where he's like, you can't taste this. It's too dangerous. Yeah, no, I, I like the idea of a forbidden flavor more than like the undiscovered flavor. <laughs> right. You know, where it's like, oh, we had this once and we had to stop people from eating it because it drove them mad. Because like, <laughs> it was like so that. good. It would also yeah, it be great so good. that when they get to it, they're like, all right, so what does it taste like? Eh, it tastes all right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine that it's like an elixir, right? Where it's like just the concentrated flavor and you have to drop it on things, you know, like CBD oil almost. Oh it should also be like from some weird thing. Like it's like from the gullet of a, a ladybug that's the giant vorpal kind or something. Man, you just love ladybugs. I do. I know. See, I, I disagree with that. I think that it should be a naturally occurring flavor because otherwise you could just hunt down the ladybugs and get the them. Forbidden the forbidden ice cream flavor is made from aphid milk. Oh yes, a special right. a special golden aphid that lives under the ground. Look, I will allow this if this is the last time we will bring up aphid milk. <laughs> They're already in the setting, so I'm good. <laughs> okay, okay, good. It's still blue and weird looking, though. Oh yeah, it has to, yeah, it needs to be blue. Yeah. Okay, just making and sure you guzzle it. You um, know, like, yeah. Oh. The other thing would be the motives of the other group because if you can introduce it early on and have that be like the rival because it doesn't necessarily have to be those monks it could just be like another group that it has the same exact values of you but you just hate that guy yeah you want a bellic basically yeah. to into your indiana jones also i think the idea of like the rumors of this thing being so delicious that it turns you crazy i think that's a pretty good ex or justification for people to defend you know the flavor you know, whether it's true or not, you know, doesn't matter. It's a matter of, well, those are the rumors and we're not going to find out because we're not going to let you take that flavor. Yes. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Indiana Jones and like a kind of a Dungeons crawl style of idea, I wanted to bring up my next idea, which is uh, basically the land of a thousand flavors version of the tomb of horrors. <laughs> I wanted to have 
in this very, you know, otherwise whimsical and fun and kind of cutesy setting. I want there to be a hardcore dungeon grind, like meat grinder type place uh, that we can kind of look to. And I've given it justification uh, for why it's so brutal. It's because it is where uh, the thing that is eating the magic out of the world lives. So I've decided uh, in my in my scenario that there is a giant beast that it has a cult devoted to it that worships it that is essentially there to eat all of the magic. And that's why all of the flavor is going away is because the magic is being eaten by this giant thing. And as a result, no more magic. And that's why everyone's like, oh, once they know about this thing that exists, well, we're going to send adventurers to go and find it and kill it and stop it. But once they get there, they realize that this tomb of horrors is just awful and, and murderous <laughs> and yeah, and poorly designed and not fun to run at all. Oh, you. You're so <laughs> angry about the tomb of horrors. And um, yeah, it's fine, Christopher. It's fine. But anyway, uh, yeah, so th- that is my idea is that I want to have a fun, but also not fun Tomb of Horrors-like setting in Land of a Thousand Flavors. I, I like that you said that it's it's literally eating the magic. Like, I could I could imagine it or its appendages, whatever they may be, like gnawing on the, um, the, the ley lines since they're plants, essentially. And it's maybe yeah. eating through the heart of the the, the trees that, that give power to the rest of the, the world. Yes. And I had this idea that this thing is a dragon mole Ooh. where it is. It's burrowing. A, it's bur- yeah. So it, it's essentially capable of creating and collapsing its own tomb. Ooh. And more importantly, I was looking up a uh, cool natural phenomena and there was this thing that you could turn bismuth into like a crystal form mm-hmm. by heating it and cooling it at a low temperature. And I was like, okay, that's a really cool idea. Especially if I have a dragon mole who's able to create an entire tomb out of crystal. But then I was like, okay, let's think about this for a second. That crystal are actually just sugar crystals. And I know that sugar doesn't form naturally like salt does, but in all for everything that we're doing here, that's how this is going to work. Okay, this is a sugar cave. It is a sugar dragon mole. And of course, because it's sugar in the open air and it's kind of moist and wet, it's going to be crawling with gross insects because, Mm -hmm. you know, the moles, the dwarf moles. Does that mean they like mine sugar? Uh, I think we just added that. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I can picture lots of sugar mines. Yes. (laughs) They're just like working away, whistling, hauling sugar into their um their bins, and then a dragon mole. Is there one dragon mole or multiple? And it just like crashes in and eats everyone. Uh, I wanted there to be one, and yeah, I, I imagine that this fits the idea pretty perfectly, right? Like you have this idea mm-hmm. of um, you know, like oh, they dug too deep and unleashed the dragon mole type. Yes. Thing, you know? <laughs> Is it is it now I'm picturing something ridiculously huge like the the dune worm that they depicted in the recent trailer. Oh my god. 
yeah, I, I'm looking at like un, like unfathomably large. Yes, yeah, which is why no one's d- had to, no, why no one's been able to kill it yet. Yeah. So yeah. this dragon mole lives deep underground in the sugar mines in a cavity. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Now, does it have, it's got to have little, like, babies, too. Like, does it have, like, tons and thousands of babies that are also moling their way everywhere? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that there's, that this thing is so rare that it, like, it has, like, one child per millennia. Oh, okay. It is, it is one of those types of beasts. Oh, that would be an adventure. Like, so you can't quite, you can't kill the dragon mole, right? So maybe this is, like, an end of. End of, end of campaign scenario but it's about to spawn so you have to travel all the way down to wherever the hell it is while well, it's about to die too and it only spawns when it dies and you got to go down there and kill that baby before it's too late actually that's a really cool scenario like the only way that we can get magic back in the world is mm-hmm. to kill this thing before it you know and then it's uh, like a really cute when you get to it and you're like i don't want to kill this uh rob yes could you sound clip uh daniel saying you need to get down there and kill that baby and just <laughs> send that to me yeah, yeah we should just play that like at inappropriate times <laughs> when uh when i inevitably get a soundboard that will certainly be one of the clips uh anyway so yeah the the other aspect to this like besides the dragon mole itself is the cult that follows the dragon mole i did want to point that out that while the thing did make the crystal sugar caves and everything like that, the cult itself is what really makes the tomb itself, you know, really deadly mm-hmm. because it's making the traps. They're throwing wave after wave of people in the adventurer's way to make sure that this dragon mole continues to consume magic and grow more powerful. They're essentially doomsday cultists akin to like Therizadun cultists from back in the old D&D. Do you guys know that one at all? No. I think I remember them. Yeah, Therizadun has been like all over D&D and has shown up in like Return to the Temple of Elemental Evil. He was in Lords of Madness. He's been in a bunch of uh dragon episodes and uh there was Wait, there he wasn't was the other villain ones? in in that D&D show, was he? Which one? The show with the DM Okay, Chris, you got to you, you got to give the me D&D a cartoon that. where the DM was okay. literally See, if you a said cartoon. cartoon yes. If you said cartoon, that Sorry, would have been I, way I, more I helpful. Sorry, I thought I said that. You did not. No. <laughs> uh no, he wasn't. It was uh that guy's name was like Asmore or Azagor or something like that. And then randomly Tiamat the dragon shows up and we I remember watching that and just dying laughing because they like Tiamat literally comes out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, as one uh, does. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, I think like Tiamat literally pops up out of like a, a hatch in the ground at one point. In a <laughs> what? I'm not even joking. Tiamat I'm pretty sure that's the dragon. Like, that actually, yeah. Oh, that like, show is out terrible. Of nowhere. Yeah, I, I have a, like, that cartoon is trash, but I have a real fondness for it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just tend to love trash it's, in general. When Acrobat was a class. Oh God! Acrobat is such a dumb name. Anyway, also, I know that my brother will never listen to this, but my brother is basically the cavalier in that cartoon, and that is the worst insult that I could ever levy towards him. Hey, Um, 
What? Wait, you it, compared me to the Cavalier. So, Daniel, what's your idea? <laughs> <laughs> Has um, anyone watched the new show Raised by Wolves? That's that sci-fi one, right? Yeah, it, it involves um, baby eating as well. Um, I'm glad that we're sticking killing. with the theme. I yeah. Not um, the theme well, I thought the slant had, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I have not, Daniel. Why don't you go ahead and tell us what that's about? Um, well, it's it's totally irrelevant other than the title, in that mine is called Raised by Barbarians. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, what I was thinking is you have a situation where and one of the creatures in this world is wounded or lost in the wilderness and recovered by barbarians who, um, you know... This the animal that we choose that to be lost must be physically and culturally and perhaps psychologically opposite of the barbarians. Um, and naturally, the barbarians, we establish that they're not interested in they're kind of like Cleons. They don't want to keep anyone um, alive who's vulnerable or weak. Um, but in this particular case, for whatever reason, they have to or they choose to. And so the conflict becomes at least interpersonally about the bears um, deciding to keep this creature in their stead um, because they don't, you know, they don't want to. Um, also, you have the opportunity for the protagonist to become, um, a, a, have a friendship with a bear mentor who uh, teaches them many of the savage ways of surviving in the wilds. Um, and you have an opportunity to compare and contrast the bear culture and the regular culture. Um, and I think what would be fun would be to show for the protagonist, like what he can learn from them and what they can learn from him um, because, or he or her, and that they have their own kind of strength that's different than the bears. And perhaps um, the protagonist is tied in some way to a greater threat that um, the barbarians can't handle, but that the protagonist has the opportunity to provide an advantage against. And that might be why um, they choose to keep him alive. So at the end, that that character must decide, you know, whether they want to return to the society they came from or remain with the barbarians. Daniel, have you ever seen the Thirteenth Warrior or read the book? No, I th- think I might have. How old is that? I think I might have seen that when I was like was that nine. It was. It's really old, isn't it? No, it's 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 like maybe nineties or two thousand, like early two thousands at this point. Yeah, but then um, I would have been like. Well, but how yeah, old it's 1999. Yeah, so I would have been really, I would have been really young. I think I saw it though. Okay, that is you basically just described <laughs> the plot of the 13th Warrior. Almost <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> yes, it is about it is about an uh, it's a Muslim poet who mm-hmm. goes to uh, the land of the Vikings, like literally Norway, and he has to learn their language and learn their ways and. They each learn a little bit about their culture, and you literally just described <laughs> well, all of that. Yeah, and that's <laughs> clearly <awesome>. a trope. <laughs> yes, but no, it's it's actually it works really well, especially like from the standpoint. I'm like, oh, so you just want to do Thirteenth Warrior, but in this world, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, it is 1999. Apparently, I, I you know because I remember that that um, movie cover, and yeah. I had to have been. I'm what am I like? 36 so i don't know how old they would have been then Holy but shit, not you're 36 old. yes what you, wait did you think daniel was younger uh i didn't know you were that old daniel jesus i'm quite crazy. old wow 
<laughs> just quite. Uh, yeah, oh, it's 1999. Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know why that has such a low Rotten Tomatoes score. That <laughs> deserves a much better score than 33. Is that Antonio Banderas? It is. I, oh, my okay. God. Okay. It's brown faith by another brown actor. I get it, but it's not okay. It's outrageous. But it's a it's a good movie, and I'm pretty sure the original novel is literally called Eaters of the Dead, which is appropriate yep, that's for what the barbarian. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Eater Eaters of the Dead, 1976 novel. Yes, yes. It's a great. I I really think it's a really great fun movie. I think it's super underrated. Uh, I would I recommend it. I'm confusing it with some movie about warriors who are also zombies. In my mind, some medieval. I mean, I would watch that, but we should probably move away from the really fun cult classic that is the Thirteenth Warrior. <laughs> yes, um, and get back to your talking about your Thirteenth Warrior ripoff. My bear mentors. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So so ba- back to this actual thing. This is actually a really fun idea. I do love the idea that you're you're kind of going into what is otherwise a very different culture. I love the idea of learning cross-culturally. How do we reflect that in the food that they're eating? Because I feel like because food is such a central part to the theme of this world, what's it going to look like? How does it work? Yeah, that is that is a good question. Um, because either maybe you could have the conflict or the threat that they face be food related. Like maybe they um, the barbarians are running out of food where they where they are, and so this particular character teaches them how to um, either find different kinds of food. Because maybe I don't remember. I think we said they don't eat insects. They they're friends to insects. So maybe whatever they do eat um, is becoming poisoned by that encroaching. Um, that what would we call it that that blanching of the land um it's not blanching that's not the word for it actually uh, that, that works in a few yes. sense so yeah, i actually I like that I, I actually do like that a little bit more yeah it's what chris had called it was like the land became like ashy or something yeah yeah i think you mean bleaching but blanching yes, sounds no so blanching works so well yes. yeah especially for a food related yeah. pun for sure yeah so, so, flats. I think, like, so i think what would work is that the protagonist um teaches them or shows them a new way of getting food, perhaps farming or searching some new area or something. And that's what makes them valuable to them. Their survival hinges on it. Okay. So now we're looking at a different scenario where it's a matter of there is this person who is essentially press ganged into teaching the barbarians how to farm. (laughs) Yes. Like he he falls off a cart and then he's wounded. The barbarians find him. He's like, don't eat me. (laughs) I can teach you how to survive. (laughs) Oh, I like the idea that there's like some kind of weaselly like con artist guy too. Yes. Oh, yes. wait, we just we just figured out what kind of animal he is. He's a weasel. All right, <gasps> Maybe cool. this is the origin story of um of your stoat guy. Oh, that might be fun. Like that's like, how that's he fun. learned how to be crafty in the beginning, and he also has a bar- barbarian allies that nobody knows about. That sounds fun. All right, Daniel, you sold me on it. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Speaking of like movie ripoff ideas, I my second plot hook is basically a mix between Lord of the Rings and Willow, uh, because Willow is basically a ripoff of Lord of the Rings. Um, oh yeah, I'm just throwing out haymakers. Fuck you, Willow. You're not even that good. It's oh. hilarious. Willow is like decidedly okay. There's way too many like kind of boring tropes, and that movie is 
hard carried by Val Kilmer. Like there's baby eating up. in it though, just to keep the theme of, you know present. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. And that's actually what I wanted to go with, with my next idea. Yes. <laughs> no, the idea that I had actually relates to our chonky beef cat sages, because I had to uh, make sure that we main that we have chonky beef cats in every single episode had to be done. So the idea is the newest chonky beef cat quest to deliver a world seed is underway. And during the delivery of the world seed, they are attacked and killed by the cult of the tasteless. You know, the one that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the oh, by the way. The tongues. Uh, yeah, they're the one who take uh, like cheese, cheese graters to their tongues yeah. and stuff like that. But I also came up with a different idea for the, for the tasteless as well, where they cook and ingest poisons. Oh. Because that is also kind of like burning off your taste buds in mm. a way. It's like a matter it. of like you're suffering to eat. And that is in the same kind of theme that we're looking at. God, they're so gross. Yeah, it's great. Like you, this is how you create really awesome bad guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the, the cult of the tasteless find and kill the chonky beef cat sage. And it's up to this retinue of like young adventurers to finish the quest. And it's not just a matter of taking the world seed and delivering it. You have to finish the path that the sa- the cat sage was going to go on. So it's a matter of, oh, we have to go cleanse it in the waters of this. We have to go, you know, like MacGuffin, 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 mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All MacGuffin the train. time, the entire time, they're being hunted and chased down by the cult of the tasteless as oh, well. Oh, I like that. I like yeah. that that unifies them as a party, like right off the bat. Absolutely. And, and the idea, the, the other kind of like, oh, spoiler for a thing that's never going to happen in real life <laughs> is in this in this scenario, the beef cat sage is not actually dead, like not entirely dead. Like I imagine that the cat sage is because they're partly divine. Mm-hmm. You can't just kill them. It's more a matter of you're you're inconveniencing them temporarily. But the but the party is still like getting guidance from the chunky beef cat sage in their dreams. Like a forced ghost? Kind of, but not as lame. Um, <laughs> but but that's the idea, right? Like that they have to go through the quest. It's up to them. It's you know, and that's that's basically it. That's that's and and the reason I say it's more Lord of the Rings is because instead of destroying the one ring, they have to deliver it and mm-hmm. you know go through the whole rigmarole. And also the cult of the tasteless are basically like the the ring wraiths in a lot of ways. Yeah. There's that mm-hmm. constant pressure, you know, on the back of their neck. But I, what I also think is important about it too is that I think there's a built-in pressure to this uh, in terms of the conflict moving along because probably this the, the culture they have to deliver the seed to desperately needs it. And so if they don't get it in time, you know, they, they're all going to die from famine or, you know, they won't be able to, you know, have their food planted for the next season. So there's like a, a, a necessity that comes with having the seed and getting the, the, the beef cats quest done fast enough. Of course. I think it might also help that these are the adventurers or the people who won the world seed in the first place. So if you if you didn't want right. to have them be entirely, you know, useless, you could have them be like, oh, these are the school children who won the adventures or who won the Hogwarts wizarding battle in order to earn the right to get the world seed. Mm-hmm. And so that's 
that's why they're there. You know, you can either play them as heroes or on the opposite end, you could just have it be like some random pilgrims who just so happened to be around while the beef cat sage was attacked and killed. What I, I like if you if you make it connected to the contest, then they have a um, incentive to complete the quest, right? If they're pilgrims and everything, then they're kind of bound by the tenets of their religion and also their faith. Oh, true. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. But I, I like the idea that it's kind of like you're thrust into this position of having to take on this quest more so than, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was I'm already kind of competent. So I like the idea that it's like, oh, God, I didn't mean to do. Oh, no. Oh, this is too much for me. You know, like kind of like it's an I think that's a more fun aspect of the mm. idea more than I'm a competent badass man who's ready to go and take that. You know, like that. I, I, I guess that's where the Lord of the Rings part comes in. Where, you know, you maybe you have a, a mixed party where it's a little bit of both. Yeah, you could have just the guy who was on a simple pilgrimage and like, it was just like, I I, I was just doing this to renew my faith. I uh, I have a farm to go back to. <laughs> I... Okay, again, that's Willow. I like that. Also, <laughs> imagine a guy who's like, oh, I had lost my faith. I think that's what you're getting at, you know, mm-hmm. where it's. I've lost my faith and this was me trying to learn it. And now all of a sudden the entirety of it is, is on my shoulder. That's really cool. All right. Or you need smallish mousy heroes, which would also be in the, uh, the literal mousy heroes, the literal, <laughs> literal mouse heroes. Yeah, of course. Wait, wait. Um, Just one last thing. Technically it would be a church mouse. Yes. Oh <laughs> my church God. Mouse. Yes. That's so dumb. I love it. That's so good. All right, we're not getting better than that, gentlemen. What's next? I have mine, but it's a once again a difficult segue and something that you will hate. Uh, sure. I'm gonna mute you. Go right ahead and <laughs> let us know all about it. It's not dwarves, just so we're clear. No more oh, dwarves. It's, wait, does it involve mayonnaise then? Because I'm not oh, sure what oh else God, I can hate. No, no. Okay. Oh, that would be really creepy. Oh, oh, all right. Tell us your idea before the spirals out of control. My idea was the fact that the magic in the world is being eaten has caused some sort of response, uh, kind of like an autoimmune response in the magic of the land. And I wanted to have these creatures that start to arise and I wanted it to kind of mirror a zombie plague in the fact that anyone that is attacked by them also becomes like them. And the idea for these people uh, or these things was I was going to call them the famished. And I wanted them to arise and make this into a, well, a zombie apocalypse scenario. But... uh I wanted to draw parallels of the fact that as time goes on, uh, more people seem to be unable to eat things that they used to be able to eat and they kind of become intolerant of it or can no longer handle it. And the world just kind of gets a little bit more grim, dark and slowly descends into uh, chaos and survival more so than it already has been. So you want to create flavor hammer 40k basically you, <laughs> that's that's what i you want to take like what is otherwise a fun and like silly kind of setting and turn it grim dark as fuck 
Okay. Pepper Grinder 40k. Well, he can, you can spin <laughs> off that, though. Like For what I, I like, that they're called the Famished, but maybe yeah, they don't literally name. turn into name. zombies. Thank you. Thank maybe, you. Yeah, maybe they maybe they turn it. Maybe something happens to them that's less horrific, you know? Uh, I would prefer that they turn into ghouls more than zombies, because I always feel like ghouls get underplayed a lot. Well, um, I mean, maybe they don't have to be monsters, so to speak. Like, maybe well, something has changed about them. You could also because I, I want to point out that I'm not opposed to this idea because this is yeah. basically like the alt version. You know, like this is Chris's headcanon of oh, a particular aspect of this. Okay, that's this true. is not canon, like what we're doing here. And I'm fine with that. It doesn't have to be canon, you know, what we're doing. I'm picturing the... Do you remember um, in Adventure Time the um, candy zombies? Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of right now. I was because like that, that that's obviously a setting that's really lighthearted, but they found a way to include a zombie invasion, um, and it's the Candy Princess's castle is being assaulted by these um, candy zombies that have been accidentally resurrected. I think somehow yes. everyone in their kingdom was killed, <laughs> and it's the Candy Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I, rem- I I remember seeing episodes with the Lich, which is also yeah. like horrifying in like a fun setting. But I do I, I do like this idea, you know, like why not have a fucking zombie apocalypse in the setting? Like, absolutely. The the other idea that I had besides just making them kind of undead like ghouls and infectious was while calling them the famished, I thought uh they are motivated to just eat everything they can and they don't really ever feel full. That's a great, yeah, that's really cool. I like also, can they, what's that, um, what's that affliction that people have where they eat things that aren't edible? Oh, Oh, right. My strange addiction. Damn it. Where are you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, but you know what I'm talking about where they can just like eat like plastic and bottles and hair and stuff like that. Coins. Yeah. Whatever. Um, that's I mean, it's a pika. pika. Yeah, that's it. there you go. Yeah, it, it's a it's a way to, to if you didn't want to have them literally become monsters or zombies, you could just have them be insanely ravenous. So it's like almost like a rage virus, but for food. Yeah, I can I can fully support this idea. So, oh my god, I just made hangry people. That's yes, that's, that's what you did. Uh, the, the, the rage virus, but it's only for people who are hungry. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> Get away from me. What's wrong? I haven't eaten in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, do you know in the night of the living dead? Um, oh no, wait, is a return. Sorry. Return of the living dead. The, the 1980s one with all the punk rockers and shit. You know that movie, right? Brains. Yes. Where, where brains comes from. Right. Mm-hmm. So in that, one of the coolest things about that entire movie is when the when the zombie is describing why they eat brains, it's because they're in pain. Like to be alive is to be in pain, and to eat brains is the only thing that can actually relieve the pain for just a moment. So obviously they don't have to eat brains, but imagine that the famished are doing something like that, where they're constantly like that, that hunger is so painful to them that eating anything, you know, like having that pika type stuff is the only thing that can actually sate that for just a little bit. For some reason, when I was thinking about uh, story hooks for the setting, I thought about Zelda. Um, and yeah. 
in particular the you know the zelda that i grew up with was the one i think it's number two where it's like a big overland map and it was really hard and you um wait I mean, the bad one zelda. that's like one of the notoriously bad ones i think i mean it was on nintendo that's the that's what i had like regular nintendo it's- that's not helpful, Daniel. And it had the... Oh, it was on the, the Zelda for the Nintendo, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you could save hey, it. Hey, 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 um, he could have had the CDI Zelda. You don't know. I think it's called... <laughs> is it called A Link to the Past? Um, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, that's, anyway, it's no, that's Zelda 2, The Adventures of Link. Y- yes, that's it, actually. <laughs> All right. Okay, hold on. Th- this will actually be the way that we can determine which Zelda it is. Yes. Did you have side-scrolling parts where you had to stab people in the shins repeatedly? Yes. And, like, you'd approach okay. the, the end of the screen, and then it would slide over, and you could yes. only stab okay. out, you know, or down. Oh, this was the one that also had the guy that I think was called I Am Error. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, correct. I think so. Absolutely. All right. And all the towns were exactly the same, except for that there were different, slightly different things in them. Yeah. And and they were like gobbledygook, basically. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the, what I what I think was <laughs> what was great about the con as a concept, um, I like the um, an individual adventurer um, trying to save this particular person who's been poisoned or put to sleep. So what I thought is perhaps you know there's a, either an adventurer or someone near and dear to the adventurer or a mentor or something who's been poisoned or they're dying and they need to find this antidote um, in order to save them, and so they have to go on this singular quest um, across you know some insane distance and all against all these perils to find this particular beef cat who happens to have the the antidote or the the formula to create the antidote. Um, or perhaps like this person knows about a formula and they're trying to get the ingredients. So there's a, there's a number of ways you can set it up. Um, conceptually, the the hero would need to be starting out as someone like unassuming or humble or relatively like disempowered. So they have to gain, uh, you know, their strength as they go. And you'd have a really fun, I think, um, kind of dying earth romp in the sense that in a lot of the dying earth stories you encounter really weird characters and weird situations. And I think um, with the, with this character having to go really far and wide in the world, um, who knows, you know, what they'll run into. And at the very end, most likely what the story would have to conclude is that they get wrapped up in uh, conflicts that are bigger than just the person they're trying to save. And so they realize that the story or their quest is more about uh, one person, but about the whole world. That's fun. I, I like that a lot. I, I feel like that's like the perfect humble little story, you know, like when it comes to Zelda, you know, where you start small, where I just need to go and save my friends. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it just escalates from there. That's always spirals out. Yeah. yeah. That's going to check that... on my dad real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Still oh, alive. Wait. All right. Good to go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, okay. So what? So my, I guess my question is, besides just the adventuring part of the story, what's the main, like, what's the main uh, stopping? For, what's the antagonist here? Like, is besides just the poison? Oh, that's a good question. Because to your point, like, I don't think the poison is necessarily a, a clock. I mean, maybe it's a clock to some degree. Like, there's a they will die eventually, but it's like not the huge pressing pressing thing. So maybe there's something else mm-hmm. that can drive it. Maybe it's maybe it's more of like a spiritual poison, like this person is tied to something else and that Ooh. thing is like messed up in some way. 
or it's corrupted in some way. Oh, to the land itself, then, like because oh, usually yeah. the, we know the land is poisoned, right? So their oh, country's land. Oh, that's a good idea. That's a good. Yeah. Oh, maybe maybe they again bringing in the chunky beef cats. Mm-hmm. Maybe the thing that is poisoned is a chunky beef cat sage, and because oh. they're tied to the land. Yeah, it's a matter. Of, uh, yeah, why don't we flip just it on its head? Because like then, yeah. then they don't have the beef cat to rely on. They have to go out into the world and find it. Um, and maybe the beef cat says like, "You, I need these things in order to do it." Um, or mm-hmm. maybe like, you know, they're too weak to even tell them, so they have to figure it out for themselves. Yeah, I, I feel like that's a good idea. And then, mm-hmm. whatever the main villain is, it has to be a giant pig because the original <laughs> Ganon is a giant pig. <laughs> so we we have to keep it to something like that. It's it's a flying pig that cuts its own tongue out. Wait, what? Wait, it's a I'm flying sorry, pig you... that cuts its tongue out. Where did that go? No. Okay, okay, no, no. <laughs> Why are you saying uh, this okay. so casual? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh... man. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have a good segue for that because Zelda's cool and all, but I, I just don't have one. So one thing that I realized that we don't actually have for this setting yet, and I'm surprised that we haven't talked about it really, is... We don't really have restaurants in this world, do we? Oh yeah. Like it, we've we've not talked about restaurants, we've not talked about what role they play, you know, like do they serve regular food, do they serve magic food, how does that work? And like is the high-end dining experience basically just like a, a literal magical evening, you know. Uh, <laughs> But that is so my idea in in this one, it's a little bit less dramatic and a little bit less Indiana Jones and a little bit more, hey, let's all start a restaurant together and have it, you know, like you're you're playing a group of restaurateurs, essentially. And that is my entire idea. Oh, like a slice of life kind of deal? Yes, exactly. Yeah, the setting right. is ripe for that, I think. I was wondering yeah. who was going to bring up a slice of life situation because yeah. I think that makes perfect sense. I, I think it's I think it's fun and I think it's cute. And I think that, you know, like creating dishes that are, you know, going to get you noticed and like mm-hmm. on the on in the newspaper, you know, or like what, whatever kind of notice like, oh, we have the most famous chonky beef cat coming to visit us. You know, like you have special <laughs> guests and stuff like that. I think that's super fun to kind of mess around with that. The health inspector's here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can we have the health inspector be a literal rat? Like, yes. Can, please. Can we have that be a thing? It would be like uh, a chef Ramsay situation. Yeah. What would chef oh Ramsay be as an animal? Um, Bull. I kind of see him as a sheep for some reason. A sheep or a bull? <laughs> I mean, I could see them. Maybe they. one of the stories could be that they have to clean up their act and like some famous chef is coming, you know, <laughs> just like a Chef Ramsay episode. Yeah. And they like have to scramble to get everything together. And then when he comes, there's all the antics of like serving him properly and they're not very good at their jobs yet. <laughs> or it could be, um, what's what's that show I like? Um, uh, always in Philadelphia. <laughs> It's always or, sunny in Philadelphia. Always solid, yeah. And so, like, it's a it's a bar, <laughs> but they're all terrible, you know. <laughs> oh, oh, that would be fun. Oh, that'd be fun too. Yeah, instead of being like, hey, it can be a like restaurant, super... it can be a bar, any oh, food yeah. establishment, a bakery, you know, a yeah. cafe. Yeah, th- that's okay. So we have the two ends of the spectrum where you can go high end with it and then you can go low end with fucking always sunny and so you can do hell's kitchen with with jeff ramsey or you can do fucking it's always sunny in philadelphia we just run a dive bar 
I mean, imagine oh. the dive bar the adventurers come to after every trip, so you get a rotation of adventurers. You know? hold, hold on, the dive bar would obviously because it's di- like it's shitty and terrible mm-hmm. would obviously be like a soda bar of some kind. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, because we've already established that like uh, candy mages are the or like the dark arts. So yes, oh, dark- it could be a candy shop. That's also acceptable. Oh, wait. Uh, have you ever seen um, the adventures, uh, the misadventures of Flapjack? I have not. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the, uh, my, my short little quick idea: I want there to be restaurant tour adventures. That's that's pretty much it. I think it's, it fits perfectly with the setting. I thought it'd be fun. Yeah. Mm. Mine once again is a little bit dark. Why can't you just let things be fun, Chris? Because I'm bleeding out of my ass. <laughs> what? Uh, okay, literally, but also I'm not sure if I should keep that in the episode. <laughs> I think no. Um, let, let me give that to you again so you can give me a different answer. I can't think of anything. It's all that's in my mind now. <laughs> Um, listen, I have to, when you guys do super dark, I do happy. You're doing happy. I do super dark. So I said this week, weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, but I remember seeing it in a comic of a comic I enjoy, which I cannot pronounce, but I believe it's Oglaf. I love Oglaf. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, for those of you who are like, Hey, what's Oglaf? Don't go there with the, if you're at work. That's not a good place <laughs> to go. Because, man, that is sometimes just a straight-up porn comic. But just throwing Boy. it out there. Fair warning. Anyway, I love Ogloff. It is hilarious. Continue. There was a strip where it had the shoe ghost. Or people who were cursed to forcibly learn things. And I wanted it to kind of be uh, the cursed... Uh, gift shop or uh the monkey's paw of someone who is giving out these items and no one knows who it is but it's causing people to make these amazing uh works of culinary art but it is also driving them either mad or to death in in how hard they're working okay i know the comic that you're talking about and i i kind of fully support this yeah i I can i can respect that uh also you mentioned monkey's paw we have actual monkeys in the setting, so it's going to be a literal monkey's paw mm, now. Mm, uh, yeah. Evil monkeys. Can the monkeys be evil? Sure. Why not? Monkeys are like kind of evil in the first place. So Yes. Uh, oh, They're tricks. by the way, they it is it is a monkey's paw that is being handled and sold to you by a one or a one handed monkey. <laughs> <laughs> of course. With the <sighs> yeah. Because that actually, for some reason to me, that is way more sinister that this person is actually giving you a part of themselves as like a bargain. You know, it seems way more dark and sinister that way. But they're not saying it. It's the implication. It's, yeah, there's the implication. Going back to It's Always Sunny, (laughs) there's the implication. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, I feel like that one's kind of short and sweet, but man, there's a bunch of 
implications that we can talk about. I mean, it's one. more spooky than it is dark, which well, I, I think I, I like. <laughs> you could have yeah. it that a loved one of one of the characters has been cursed with this and you have to either find a cure or help them complete their magnum opus without it killing them or draining them. And the thing is, most of the people that this is being sold to, sold to are like the most unskilled people because they're like, oh yeah, I want to know how to make this amazing thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, sure. I'll force you to do it. I'm sorry, what? Hey, don't worry be, about it. <laughs> it's like, it's like you know, when you have a kind of a dark, it could be an escalating dark bargain, you know, like you, you're, if a thing is, typically the monkey's paw gives you like wishes of a sort. So, you know, you're asking for greater and greater things in order to accomplish your, your dark art and that could cause problems. Mm. And, oh. and in this case, a literal dark art would be, you know, like cookery or baking, exactly. you know. Yeah. Grease cookery. Ooh, grease cookery. <laughs> uh, all right, Daniel, take us home. You're you're the last one. <laughs> I, the last one I had, which was is probably the least developed, only because when I thought of the setting, I kept thinking of different kinds of different video games that I grew up with. Um, you know, another one that I thought of was Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, I, that stop the show. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite Final Fantasy game. Yes, I agree. And and one of my favorite games of all time. Mm-hmm. Never uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic for me. What? It never really captured. Uh, like I never got that same feeling from another game. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. They never really replicated it. I think it's um, what I Tactics thought Battle Brothers was going to be. Instead, it just mm-hmm. made me hate myself a little bit to continue <laughs> playing. <laughs> Right. Oh, Battle Brothers is just a, like it's it's oh yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. It's imagine if they took Final Fantasy Tactics but uh-huh. then added permadeath to oh. like to a God. to an unfair and unfun degree. <laughs> Jeez. It's no thanks. Bad. I would I would I would never allow myself to lose a character by lots of cheating <laughs> in Final Fantasy Tactics. Saves coming. See, Daniel, yes. I didn't need to cheat because I was good. <laughs> oh, I wanted, we went so far as to take the game, I think it was the Game Shark, whatever the, the, the cheating tool mod thing was for the, for the, for the system. It's the Game Shark. It's the yeah, game so shark. that we could like. PlayStation? Yeah. Oh. It was a, I, I had one jacked it. It looked like a fucking yeah. tumor. I had but <laughs> yes, I, I had one for my PlayStation. PlayStation as well. Well, because we wanted to put the sprites from other characters that you can't get in the game. So, But the problem was, is when you do that, like, for some reason, the characters leave your party more frequently. So you have to be super careful. <laughs> Wait, what do you, what? what? Yeah, it's crazy. See, I, I never used the game shark for my, uh, for my Final Fantasy Tactics game. Although... Uh, it was awesome. You, you, oh God, I'm sure. Do you remember that? Well, actually, you cheated, so it didn't really yes. matter for you, did nope. you? Nope. Okay, never mind. I take it back. There is a <laughs> notoriously difficult fight that if you don't have your character set up the right way before you screwed. go into it, you can literally not progress in the game, and wow. it's like 20 hours in. I mean, it's- I remember situations where we've made the characters so high level through cheating that one Chuckabo could take like three hours <laughs> to defeat. Because <laughs> the bad guys, Wait. they'd increase their difficulty with your level. Oh, okay. That's insane. So, yeah. you, so you messed it up. Oh, Got yes. Okay. Like imagine a level 99 Chuckabo that hits one person and kills three. <laughs> okay, gotcha. 
See, this is what happens when you cheat. Don't cheat. It's fine. <laughs> cheat. It's so much fun. Okay. Yeah, but only sometimes. Uh, okay. <laughs> there. Okay. The the fight that I'm thinking of in Final Fantasy Tactics is the Weegra fight, where it's like you have like a really hard battle, mm-hmm. and then it prompts you to save, and then it oh, the throws bastards. you into another battle <laughs> that is a one on one against a boss when oh. it's just Ramza. So if you go into that battle with Ramza not having not having like the ability to like solo a boss guess what fucker you're dead and it's like oh and that save guess what we fucking tricked you that save was to fuck you over so you start the game over that is like that is actually just how the fucking game works yeah but anyway was could be a dick i agree but also it's it's easily my favorite final fantasy game easily yeah yeah um, All right, Daniel, I, sorry. <laughs> I had to go on that Final Fantasy Tactics side tangent that needed to happen. I apologize. Let's continue on. Yeah, so I mentioned that to give a sense of flavor because um, I can imagine those same characters just as animals. Um, but the, the reason why I bring it up uh, is because, and you you talked about this, I think, my this particular hook um, to a great degree with your dungeons and that I was thinking of a, a biome-based um, hex crawl um, so you you talked about essentially a hex crawl when you're talking about designing like a tomb, the tomb of uh, horrors, essentially. But here I was thinking, you know, you if you have it based on biomes, you know, that lets you design a hex crawl in a more in a different way than you might ordinarily go about it. And I know in a regular hex crawl, obviously, it's a landscape and you're designing the landscape. But here the landscape is um, intimately tied in with the motivations of the characters because of the ingredients involved. And it might be fun to travel through the hex crawl um, with, you know, that in mind. Uh, And the reason why I bring up Final uh, Fantasy Tactics is because there were so many different, like, classes of characters in that game that created a lot of flavor. And so if you're adventuring across a hex crawl, you know, I could imagine encountering different uh, uh, heroes from the the three kingdoms that you had come up with in the previous episode uh you know chickens and armor you know dwarf uh moles uh under the ground and so maybe you're gathering people together for a particular purpose uh, across the hex crawl um it, and the the goal is is could be as diverse as you want like the easy one obviously is the culinary race that we talked about before mm-hmm. um you know to obtain the seedling but i just think it, the fun as a creator or designer in this scenario is building the, the map because if you go by biome you can have flora and fauna you know of the desert uh, versus you know maybe there's a beehive that you've got to set up or they have to descend into like a giant venus flytrap to get a nectar or something so you you just have a lot of options particularly in the setting and in designing that kind of a map i think what you're looking at especially here is is something which is called node-based adventure design yes from our our best friend yeah uh (laughs) We, we this is a this is kind of um, from the Alexandrian, which is a wonderful website. And mm. uh, if this ever gets to you, Justin Alexander, please come on the show. Please, we've, <laughs> we've please just come on the show, man. We've asked you. We've we've reached out to you, and you said yes. And then you said that you w- it hurts our feelings <laughs> that you would do this to us. Aww. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, node based design, like that's yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Node-based design is what we're going for here, where it's a ma- it, it, where you can have a giant map, and 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 much like the Final Fantasy Tactics map itself, you can have these nodes set up, and they all have different biomes and different areas and everything like that, all that good stuff. 
I think that that's probably what we're looking to do. And mm -hmm. also, I think that based on what we were talking about, we have a pretty good bevy of classes already that we could yeah. probably apply to what we're doing here. And I exactly, think yeah, because I thought that the, the flavor exists. <laughs> so yeah. you all you have to literally, do is like plug yeah, them yeah. into your map. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that we'd get anything as weird as like Onion Night or, no. you know, like, oh, wait, we, well, yes, we would. Candy I just, I just, I, hold on. I just realized that we would absolutely have Onion we Night. Literally have an Onion Night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he smells. <laughs> yeah, but also, uh, oh, it's a skunk. It's real, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's a skunk. Oh. It has to be a skunk. Uh, but I, I don't think we'd have like mime or maybe calculator or, you know, stuff like that. I think that we'd have something similar, but I don't think we'd have those exact classes. <laughs> we have the diversity, which is the good part. Yeah. Also, man, that game is so good. I know that your last point kind of devolved into me gushing about Final Fantasy <laughs> Tactics and also begging Justin Alexander to please come on the show. Yes. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's just that's great. No, that. I mean, I, I love, I just, I, for some reason, the art style of tactics gave, made me think of this setting in particular. I just imagined all the character portraits as being animals. That's cool. All right. Mm. All right. Well, with my groveling out of the way, I think that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this episode of World Build With Us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, and remember that if you want to send a, a cool idea a cool world building prompt to us, you can do so by sending an email to worldbuildwithus at gmail.com or send us a direct message or just an open face tweet to <laughs> let's world build. And uh, yeah, that'll wrap it up for this episode. We love you very much. We hope you make it through the week with us. We know you'll make it back next week to listen. And uh, good night and good luck. There you go.